listening to Connection Church's podcast. Welcome to Connection Church. My name is Billy. Uh, I'm the discipleship pastor here. Uh, that's a fancy word that means I work with the small groups. Um, and, and so welcome. Uh, if this is your first time. We're super excited that you're here. Uh, I know God has some cool things in store for us this morning. Uh, I've been praying that he would challenge us uh, in a very real way um, this morning. I also did want to say, uh, if you weren't here last week, we announced that we are planning our first uh, campus uh, over in Vidalia, um, and Kate and I will be going to that. Um, and so if you weren't here, there's the info. If you were here, um, I want to thank you guys. I've gotten so much encour- encouragement and support and uh, just so many texts this week that have meant so much. And so... Um, And, and we're excited about that, and, and I can't tell you how awesome it is to see the doors that God's already opening up um, over there. And, and so I want you guys to see it as not just Kate and I's next step, but it's our next step as a church. Um, and, and man, God's going to use you guys, and he's going to use us, and uh, I'm just excited to see um, where it goes. And so I did want to say for uh, just an announcement with that, if um, I had several people come up to me after the service uh, last week and ask how they could be a part of it. And so um, if you're interested in being a part of it, um, in any way, I'll, I'll talk about those in a minute. We're having an interest meeting on December 7th um, at 12.30 up in our Heart and Soul classroom. And so there's several ways you can be involved. Um, if, if, if you, like the person that came up after the service, if, if you just felt the Lord moving your heart and say, hey, this is where I'm supposed to go, um, this is for you. Um, if it, it's, you know, you know people in uh, Vidalia who aren't involved in a church or just in the whole Tombs County area, um, we'd love for you to connect us with those people. Um, also, if uh, you're a college student and you're getting ready to graduate um, coming up, we'd love for you to um, leverage your life for, for a couple years after you graduate to come help us instill the connection culture in a church over in another location. You can see it as kind of a mission trip um, opportunity for you guys. Uh, if you know people in Vidalia that could open up jobs for these people that want to go, that would be awesome too. And so any of those things, any way you want to be involved, uh, we'll have that interest meeting on December 7th. Um, be there if you want to do that, 1230. Um, so today we're jumping into week two of this series called It All Starts With Us. Uh, before we get started, let, let me go ahead and pray for us. How about that? Um, Father, thank you so much for today. Um, Lord, do just thank you um, for your word. God, thank you for being here with us, Lord. Um, as Bethany was saying, it, it's so cool that we get to have a real relationship um, with you, God. And I know that you're here right now, God. I know that um, you, you've put this message on my heart for a reason. And, and Lord, I pray that uh, the ears of your people, God, our ears would be open to hear. Our hearts would be open to hear what you have to say to us this morning, Lord. I pray as we look into your mission and embracing the mission that you've given us for our lives, God, that we would... Um, that it would take deep root in us, God, and that it would become the number one priority, the number one reason that we live and the number one purpose for our lives, Lord. So um, these are just words without you, God, so we pray that you'd come and you'd speak to our hearts um, in a very real way, Lord. So uh, we love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, cool. So I want to start off with a little example. Um, How many of you guys have uh, ever had something um, that maybe you've missed it all the way up until uh, you've actually tried it. So for, for example, um, you know, think about coffee. Like I grew up, my, my parents always drank coffee, but I never really understood why they always drank coffee. I mean, every morning we got up, they started out with coffee every night. They had coffee. If we were on a road trip, we got to stop and get coffee, like all this different stuff. Right. And so I was like, 
it's not like chocolate milk. It's not good. Like it doesn't taste good. You know what I mean? They didn't drink sugar in it. And, and then um, for most of y'all that grew up in the Starbucks culture, it kind of shifted after that. But, um, and then I came to college and I had my first white chocolate mocha, right, from Starbucks. And it was like an eye-opening experience for me. I was like, wow, this is better than chocolate milk, right? And so, but the thing is, before I tried the Starbucks drink, I had no clue how good coffee was. I didn't know that I was missing anything. Another thing maybe, for example, would be um, squeezed jelly, right? That's a good example, right? Squeezed jelly. Everybody loves squeezed jelly. Uh, probably one of the biggest fights in, in mine and Kate's year and a half long relationship right now, our marriage. But um, it, it took me a year and a half to get it through her head that um, squeezed jelly was just as not homemade as the jelly that comes in the jar from the Kroger brand, right? And so for some reason, she thought because you scooped it out with a spoon that it was homemade, right? But I convinced her, man, squeezed jelly just makes life easier, right? You don't have to dirty a spoon, then you got to wash it off later and all this different stuff. And it was a life-changing experience, right, when you try that. Let me try something maybe a little more hit home. It may be something um, that you're, you, somebody has told you your whole life but you've never understood um, what it was until you actually um, did it one day. And it's like, wow, man, this is, this, is, this is actually true, right? So I grew up, my dad, me and my dad loved football, right? So I grew up in a football household. I was bred for lineman glory when I was like five, right? I ate everything in sight. Um, and, and so one of the things my dad would always tell me is he would have me in the yard when I was like five and he would say, hey, the low man always wins, right? When you're blocking somebody, the low man always wins. Doesn't matter how big somebody is in front of you. If you stay lower than them, it gives you leverage. You can drive them out. You can push them backwards so that they don't push you backwards, right? And I was like, whatever, what do you know? You're not that big, right? And so, you know, but then I got to, you know, a level where people were my size or people were just as strong as I was, right? And, and I remembered what he said, right? Because I was higher than a couple people uh, one time and they knocked me in the backfield and started pushing me back and I was like man my dad was right right and so I started getting lower and actually figured out that it worked maybe that doesn't work let's try baseball um, so maybe some baseball players in here think about it like this how many times have you heard hit the outside pitch the opposite way right and, and I'm coming in and I'm like dude I'm a home run hitter look at me I'm 6'3 I'm, I'm Chipper Jones throw me the inside pitch I'm pulling it right and then so that's what my mindset was every time I came up to to play baseball, right? But uh, eventually I got to a level where people could actually hit their spots and throw to corners and all this different stuff. And uh, the guy was like, hey, you're not playing unless you start hitting the ball opposite field, right? And so I finally tried it and I was like, wow, it makes it a lot easier, right? This is the way it's designed to be, right? And so just those things that maybe you, you've taken for granted or you haven't really, it hadn't really clicked for you until you've actually done it. What I want to talk to you about today, um, I feel like is a lot like that. When it comes to making disciples in the church, um, I feel like it's something that we miss because we never try it. Does that make sense? And then once we try it, there's just this aha moment that happens where we're like, oh my Lord, this is what I was created to do, right? Because there's nothing that, that will jack you up more, pump you up more, open your eyes more, encourage you more than watching somebody go from death to life in front of you. Um, there's absolutely nothing like it in the church. And, and, and you know, my, my biggest fear for that um, is that it is the one thing that God left the church to do. You know, he, he came and when he resurrected, he told the disciples one, one thing. He said, hey, here's what I want you guys to do, to go and make disciples. And my biggest fear for us is that um, the one thing God told us to do, we would lose sight of it, not just in the church, but in, in our own individual lives um, 
And, and so today, that's what I, what, what I want you guys to get so bad. It's my heart, and I know since it's my heart, it's going to seem like I'm yelling at you. I'm not. I'm just passionate about what I'm talking about. Um, but man, I want you guys to get this. I promise you, in your relationship with God, there's nothing that is more exciting. There's nothing that's more of an adrenaline rush than watching somebody after, that you've invested in, you've prayed for, that you've reached out to, that you've done everything you can to get that person to Jesus, to finally get it, man. It, it, there's nothing... Um, like it for us. And so we've been going through the book of Acts, and that's why it's kind of very real for us. If you, if you look in the book of Acts, we're not, I'm not going to go to book of Acts, but I'm just going to kind of uh, give you a synopsis of the whole book. But um, we see some awesome things happen in the book of Acts. The Acts. The book of Acts is a direct result of the people who embrace this mission of going in to make disciples, right? And so we see several things happen uh, throughout the book of Acts. I challenge you, if you've never sat down and read Acts 1 all the way to Acts 28, do it. It will blow your mind how much cool stuff God was doing. And so in the book of Acts, we see tons of life change, incredible life change. Put yourself in these shoes. Um, maybe you're at a, you're a service. In Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches the gospel for the first time uh, since the Holy Spirit came. 3,000 people get saved, right? So look around this room. This is probably about 700, 800 people maybe, right? 3,000 people when he said, hey, does anybody want to get saved? Storm the front, right? Think about how cool is that, right? Uh, the next chapter, we see Peter and John walk into the, the, they're walking and they see this paralyzed man. And they say, in the name of Jesus, Joey talked about it last week, stand up and walk, right? So we see paralyzed men standing up and walk. We see people, uh, Paul goes into these different cities and he says, hey, I see that you guys are religious people. But hey, you're worshiping the wrong God. Let me show you the God that, 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 you're, that the only one real God. Let me show you what he's done in my life. That people start burning all their false gods to turn to this God. We see uh, people f like jail cells falling apart. You know, if you get on in the book of Acts, you see the believers get locked up for sharing Jesus. And, and basically an earthquake happens. The doors open up. Instead of the disciples running out, guess what they do? They stay and lead the, the jailer to Jesus, right? And then they walk out together and go to his house, right? And so just incredible life change all throughout. Lastly, you see Paul, man. Paul is a, basically a terrorist of Christianity. I mean, his whole goal in life was to rip the, the church apart. He wanted nothing to do with Jesus or the way. In an instant, God reveals himself to him, changes his life, becomes one of the greatest missionaries today. And I can tell you this, Paul would have never thought that through what God had done in his life today, we would be sitting where we are because of his ministry and his willingness to embrace the mission of God, right? Not only that, we see cities being changed, right? How many of you guys played Mario? Super Mario, I got any old folks in here? All right, so Super Mario, you know, you come to the Mario screen and you got like the little mushrooms where you go to the different levels. That's pretty much what it looked like when Paul started planting churches in the book of Acts. I mean, they started popping up everywhere. They were all around the, the Mediterranean Sea. This guy started um, changing cities one by one. You got Ephesus, Antioch, Colossae, all these different cities in, in a small amount of time begin to be overcome by the story of the gospel and the gospel begins to change these cities. You see unbelievable unity and diversity, right? Uh, even at the beginning, when, when the Holy Spirit comes, you see people from all different nations. You got people from Africa, people from the Middle East, people from Asia, people from Europe. You see all of these people and the gospel comes all of these people from different backgrounds, different races, uh, from different, wherever they come from, coming together behind one mission. Black people, white people, Chinese people, every person you can think of coming together unified behind one mission. Incredible things. Lastly, you just see the church spread like wildfire. Think about this. Start of the book of Acts, you have 11 believers, right? Judas had already died. You got 11 believers. 
end of the book of Acts, most people estimate that there's over 100,000 believers in a 30-year period, right? Take after the book of Acts, once Paul gets the gospel to Rome, about a couple hundred years later, the, the, the gospel has spread over 2 million square miles. And so just in a very short time, this, this, this message of the gospel spreads from all around. Um, it's just incredible what we see in the book of Acts. And so here's what I want, to, want you guys to see today. These things are a direct result of people getting serious about the mission of God. It's people like you and me, people who are doctors, people who are state patrolmen, people who work in construction, people who um, work at, at, at businesses, people who work in a bank, people who work in all these different places, taking the gospel and saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this to people where I am, right? And, and it's, it's beautiful. And, and here's the thing that pumps me up is that think about the potential in this room. Look around. There's 800 people in here. Every person in here comes from a different place from a different background, they work at different places, they're in school, they're all these different places, and God designed the church. It's a genius plan. He says, if my people would just catch hold of my mission for their life and go back into the environment that they work, that they work in, where they are, and that they would begin to reach people for my name, the, the, man, the impact could be absolutely um, crazy. And so that's today what I want to look at is uh, if you've got your Bible, open up with me to Matthew chapter 28. Um, we'll start in verse 16. Um, while you turn there, let me, let me kind of set the background a little bit for you. So uh, the book of Matthew is, is really a historical book, right? So when you read the book of Matthew, you can read it as if somebody was following Jesus around, writing down everything he said, everything he did, uh, everything he, he, all the people he encountered with, everything that was going on, Matthew's just writing it down word for word, right? And so one of the things we see in here is we see that very on, early on in Jesus's ministry, he, he grabs 12 disciples, right? He calls these 12 men, fishermen, tax collectors, normal people like me and you. And what he does is he begins to spend it, the last three years of his life with these people and he begins to walk with them and, and show them these things. These people leave their fishing boats, leave their tax collecting boots, leave everything that they knew to follow this guy who was claiming to be God, right? Well, well so they, they follow him around and he you know, has power to heal people. He's calming the seas, he's calming the winds, he's, he's doing all this stuff. And, and then one day, these people come and get him and they take him and they murder him on a cross, right? And so put yourself in their shoes, right? You've left everything to follow this guy that claims to be God, and then one day he dies, right? But then three days later, they get word that this guy is alive again, right? And so they hear from him, and they go to him, and they, they, he says, oh, no, 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 he's not here in the tomb. He went to Galilee, and he's waiting on you guys, and he's got a couple things he wants to tell you. He's got one command that he really wants you to get, right? So think about this. You followed Jesus your whole life and he comes to you and he says, hey, I just rose from the dead. That proves that I am who I say I am. And now I got one thing to tell you. One thing, right? How, how much would you anticipate that one thing? You'd be on the edge of your seat to hear what he's saying. So read this with me from that perspective, right? So here we go. Verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted, all right? How you can doubt a man who rose from the dead, I have no clue, but different sermon. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age, right? So he tells them, he gives them two things. He gives them three things, two promises and one command, right? So I want to look at the, I want to look at the promises first, right? So let's, let's just take a look um, at, at the promises because they tie directly into the command that he gives, right? So read with me verse 18 again. He says this, Jesus came and said to them, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. All right, so, so why, why, why is this a big deal? Why is it a big deal? Jesus says, hey, all authority on heaven and earth has, has been given to me. Authority over sickness, authority over obstacles, authority over circumstances, authority over death, whatever it is, I've been given authority. I have power over all of those things. Why would he want his people that are gonna embrace his mission to know that? I'll tell you why, because here's the thing. At, at times, I mean, think about it. the disciples at this time, Christianity wasn't like it is today, right? Christianity wasn't, hey, yeah, I'm a Christian. Like, you know, nobody really cares. If you were a Christian at that time, people were coming to kill you, right? They had just put Jesus on a cross, right? And so here's what he's telling them. He's, he's basically saying, hey, as you embrace this mission, you're going to need to remember who I am. You're going to need to remember my power. You're going to need to remember that I rose from the grave. Death has no hold on you. You're going to need to remember when you face obstacles, remember, man, I have power over your obstacles, over your circumstances. You're going to need, when you get frustrated because somebody's not getting it, uh, you're going to need to remember who I am. I change hearts, right? You're going to need to remember uh, who the authority that he has. When it gets tough, when you get in a a period where you don't feel like you know what to do, he says you need to remember the cross. Remember what I went through to show you my love for you, right? And that's what I want you to remember because when we embrace this, and here's a question I want to ask you. How would your lives change? Think about it from from the perspective of embracing this mission. How would your lives change if we truly believe? How would our lives change if we truly believed that the God who had power over everything was by our side? How how would that change our conversations? How would that change our swag when we walked into places, right? Think about this. Think of it. The only thing that I can think about is uh, one of my buddies used to work for Truett Cathy. He was like, I don't know how he got this gig. I didn't ask him. I figured he did something illegal. But um, anyway, he he, he worked as uh, Truett Cathy's personal assistant for the last five five years of Truett Cathy's life. And I used to get to go up and visit him at the home office. And so uh, Truett Cathy, if you don't know, was the founder of Chick-fil-A. And so uh, one of the things we would do is when I would go up with him, we would get to like, I mean, where Truett went, he went because he was old and John was young. So um, and we'd be walking around, man. And this dude, like when he walks into a place, I mean, the whole room like stops, like trays drop on the ground. Like everybody's like, when he's at his office, he's the man, right? And, and that's the way I think about it is, man, when we're walking through the earth and we have Jesus with us, we have authority over all these things. It's like we're walking in Chick-fil-A with, with True Kathy, right? That's how we have to think about the confidence that that would give us if, if we embrace the mission of God with that. And so here, I mean, the book of Acts, that's what you see. Believers aren't scared of anything, man. They're not scared of people in their way. They're not scared that somebody's too far to be reached, man. They embrace it because they know their, their God has power to overcome any circumstance, to overcome the depth of anybody's sin, to overcome, to pull people out of situations that you never think somebody could be pulled out of. They understood that their God had authority over all those things. The second promise he tells us, look, I'm gonna skip the command and go down to the bottom. He tells us this in verse 20. He says, and behold, I am with you always 
to the end of the age, right? So not only does he tell them I have authority over everything and it's by my authority that I'm sending you out, the next thing he says is, listen, I'm gonna be with you always to the end of the age. I'm never gonna leave you. I'm always gonna be by your side. So why would Jesus give them this promise as they were going out to embrace the mission of God? Why would he say, listen, I'm never gonna leave you. I'm always gonna be beside you. Let me tell you why. He gave them this promise because he knew that nothing was gonna drive them to need the presence and power of God more than embracing the mission of of making disciples. There's absolutely nothing that drives us to need God more than when we embrace the mission of God, right? Nothing drives us there. Just in my own personal life, I see this all the time. Man, I I get in these routines where basically my whole relationship with God is about me. So my whole day just turns into, all right, I get up, I read my Bible, I go to work, I come home from work, uh, do errands, whatever I gotta do go to sleep, wake up the next morning, read my Bible, maybe pray a little bit, maybe not read my Bible. And, and, and for me, that's the majority of my days, right? But then I started embracing the mission of God. And, and I'll tell you what it did. It created, it created in me a need for scripture. It created in me a need for the presence of God. Man, I even see it when I come into church. Like, man, if I'm living for the Lord and I come in here, uh, the world's beat me down. I need God. I need the presence of God to be very real in my life. And it changes everything. But, and, and, and it changes everything. And that's what... Um, that's what Matthew knew and Jesus knew when he did this is that it's only, uh, just, th- just think about the two promises that he gave. One, the first promise is you have all authority. I'm giving, I'm send, I have all authority on heaven and earth and I'm sending you out. The second one is I'm gonna be with you always to the end of the age. What, when would those promises mean the most to us? When we needed them to be true, right? Anytime, why would the, those promises don't even mean anything to me when I don't need them to be true? When I, when I live a life that um, is where I don't need the power of God, when I live a life where I don't need um, the presence of God, man, I don't really, those promises don't really um, drive for anything, man. And, and my biggest fear is that us as a church, us as in every person sitting in here, including me, would live a life where we don't need God, right? Because you don't need God to wake up in the morning, read your Bible, go to work, come back home, wake up in the morning, read the Bible. You, like, you don't need God in that. But I'll tell you this, when you start embracing the process of having to be patient with people, having to love people like Christ, having to um, teach them what you know. You talk about needing God for the first time, and you need the presence of God because God's the only person that can have influence over changing somebody else's heart. And, and I, I read a quote um, th- this week, and I, I wanted to read it to you guys because it's my hope for us as a church and my hope for you. Francis Chan says this, I don't want my life to be explainable without the Holy Spirit. I want people to look at my life and know that I couldn't be doing this by my own power. I want to live in such a way that I'm desperate for him to come through, that if he doesn't come through, I'm screwed, end quote. And that's my biggest fear for us is that we would live a life where we don't need God, right? Because here's the thing, in order to, in order to walk through life and not embrace the mission of God, we don't really need, we don't need him at all. And, and so, but here's the thing. Now let's shift back to the mission and which is going to drive us to actually need God and need the presence of God, right? And so um, hear this. So verse 18, he says this, all authority, let's read the whole thing again. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father 
and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or obey all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age, right? And so he bookends these promises. He surrounds, these promises surround a command and that command is to go and and make disciples, right? And so a few questions we have to answer with this, right? So the first question is, what in the world is a disciple, right? So here's a, a disciple in the Jewish culture was basically somebody who followed a teacher, right? So it's basically a, a, a student of someone or a learner. So it would be, uh, in our terms, maybe if you work at a business like an intern who basically follows around a staff member, learns what they do, learns how they, uh, you know, do the job that they do so that they can, and again, raise up to, to do exactly what they do, right? So the second question we got to answer is, is there a difference between a Christian and a disciple, right? It's a trick question. In the Bible, no. But in our culture, absolutely, right? So here, let me, let me explain it. So the Bible mentions the word Christian twice in the book of Acts, that's it. Mentions the word disciple in the New Testament over a hundred times, right? And so the difference between a Christian and a disciple, not in the Bible, but in our culture, is uh, in the South especially, a Christian is just somebody who's raised in the church who checked the box when they were six um, and got their ticket into heaven, right? For, for the most part, we consider that a Christian. Most people in the South, if you walk up and say, hey, do you believe in Jesus? Yeah, I go to church. I was raised in the church, right? All right, but the difference between that and the difference between a disciple of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus is someone who actually follows Christ, right? So they not only uh, made a profession of faith, but their life begins to embrace and care about the things that Jesus cared about, right? And so it's somebody who actually embraces um, the mission of God, right? And so that leads us to the third question of, of how do we make disciples, right? So how, what does this look like for me? What does this look like for you? How do we begin to do this in our everyday life? Well, in the scripture, uh, just in verse uh, 20 he, he, or 19, he says, um, that in, the, in the Greek language, um, an imperative means that that's the reason for the verse, right? And so in that verse, make disciples is the focus. But around make disciples, it gives us participles, right? I'm going to take y'all back to fourth grade English class. Participles support the main imperative verb, right? And so the participles that it gives us are go, baptize, and teach, right? And so Jesus says, hey, I want your life to be about making disciples, but here's how I want you to do it. I want you to go, I want you to baptize, and I want you to teach. So let's talk a little bit about those. How do we do that? The first thing, go, I would define go this way. Go means that we meet people where they are, right? So write that down. Go means that we meet people where they are in our life, in your life, uh, wherever it is, wherever you do, whatever you work at, what, I mean, whatever you like to do, a student, you work in a business, uh, you, you deal with people, it's meeting people where they are. And, and, and even you, he says, make disciples of all nations, right? So it's everywhere, right? Nations is a term that means all the people groups of the world, right? There's, I think, roughly 11,000 different people groups. That's just different types of people all over the world, right? 6,000 of those people groups have not heard the gospel at all. They're unreached, not at all. They hadn't heard anything, right? And so when he tells us to make disciples of all nations, he's not just talking about Statesboro, right? He's talking about Statesboro, Bullock County, Vidalia, United States, Africa, Australia, all these different places. He says, I've given you a command, take the gospel to all of these different places. And the first thing we have to do is we have to go to people. We have to meet them where they are, right? If we, we see somebody who, um, who needs, right? If I'm going to Africa and they don't have drinking water, what am I bringing with me? 
a crew, we're about to dig a whale, right? Because if we can meet a need, then we can show them that Jesus loves them by doing that, right? If I'm going into, um, say I'm at work and somebody's struggling through their marriage, what do I bring with me? I'm like, hey, I don't know everything about marriage, but I can tell you what I've gotten wrong that, and I can tell you what I've figured out that works a little bit, right? And it's that idea of meeting people where they are showing them the love of Christ and, and, and getting them there, right? And so the next thing is baptize, right? So when you think about baptism, the thing you should think about is it's an outward expression of an inward faith, right? So when we baptize somebody, it's basically announcing to the world, hey, this person, they're saying, I have gone, God's changed my heart. I've gone from, from death to life, right? That's, that's what they're announcing um, to the world. So baptize, I would explain this way. We got to get them to Jesus, right? So not only do we need to meet them where they're at, the next thing we need to do is get them to Jesus. We got to bring them to faith. We got to figure out a way uh, to get them there. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Um, and then the third one is we got to teach them, right? So got, teaching them is, is actually walking it out with them, right? So uh, we can't just meet them where they're at, get them to Jesus, and then say, all right, good job, tap them on the butt, good luck. You know, like, no, that's not what God says. He says we got to begin to teach them the things that God's taught us, right? And, and it's a, a perfect way to think about it, right? So what does this look like for me? What does this look like for you um, in y'all's own life? Let me, let me tell you about three guys um, that I've just had the um, privilege and honor of, of being able to, to really invest in them, seeing them come to faith. But the first guy was a guy, I won't tell you names, but I'll just tell you their story. Um, the, f- the first guy was a guy who, uh, we went to college together, right? So I was a little older, graduated, uh, and he moved into the same trailer park uh, across two trailers behind me, right? Greenhaven, what, what, holla. Um, so it's, uh, you know, he moved across from me, right? My neighborhood, my, we call it the trailerhood, right? We, um, so in the trailerhood, we were there together, right? And so I began to see this guy around and I was like, hey man, what's up? You know, and he looked athletic, invited him to join our uh, intramural team, right? So intramural team. And then he started coming around. He moved in with one of my roommates uh, or one of my friends from high school, and he began to come over. I saw that he liked sports. He just began to come over, watch sports with us, do all these different things. And I was like, hey, dude, we got a Bible study that meets over here on Tuesday nights. I'd love for you to come in and join us, right? And so he started coming, man, one day in that. He was kind of really involved with the party scene. He said, dude, I, I don't want to live like this anymore. I want to know and have what you have. And I was like, well, we can fix that right now, right? So, you know, we led, led the dude to the Lord and then began to walk it out. Now he's probably one of my best friends and we still walk through life, you know, and, and talk to each other and encourage one another. And so I began to just bring him in, let him see everything I did. He hung around long enough to, you know, I was working with FCA. I took him in and let him see all those different things. Another guy um, actually met this dude at church. I was greeting at a door and he walked in and I was like, hey, what's up? And uh, talked to him, walked him into the door. And I said, hey man, you're in college. We got a college group that meets on Tuesday. I'd love for you to come and be a part of it. And he's like, I don't know. And I was like, well, here's my, what's your number? I'll just text you just in case you want to come, you can come, right? And so uh, next thing I know, he shows up for a couple weeks and doesn't say a word, but he shows up. And I'm like, all right, this is a start, right? And so um, I invite him out to lunch, right? I invite him to Shane's, which is what all disciples do, right? We take people to Shane's. And so uh, we go to Shane's for a minute and, and, and we, we talk and he starts opening up and he's like, man, this is my past. This is uh, where I come from. This is kind of why I'm hesitant about this and doing these things. And I said, well, man, let me tell you about a guy who walked through the same exact thing that you're walking through and how the Lord's changed him and done this and told him what the Lord had done for me and told him all this different stuff. And he's like, man, I'm ready. Let's do it, right? Lead him to the Lord. And then he comes back to group. And now uh, right after that, he graduated, moved to Dublin, took a job, and then moved off to Texas. And now took a job, still talk with him every month. Hey, man, you getting involved in a church? He's in a church. 
He's walking through life with people. He's doing that. Another guy, let me tell you, um, this guy, uh, Brandon met him at a, ball, at a ball game one time. And Brandon was like, hey, you should come to church. Came to church. Brandon introduced him to me. I said, hey, dude, we got a Bible study. Tuesday night, you show up, right? Um, so comes into the Bible study, right? And uh, he's in it for about two and a half, three years. He talks a little bit. We met in between, um, kind of grew up a really a good old boy. So I really thought he was already a Christian. And the more we talked about what it really meant to pursue God, he was like, dude, I don't think I have that. And him and his girlfriend were going through some problems. He was like, dude, I need to meet up. You know, I got girl problems. I was like, don't we all? And so we met up and, and talked and, and hung out, man. And, and the Lord just clicked, man. And, and he started following Jesus. And now, man, he's with me, hanging out, man. He's become one of my best friends. I'm teaching him everything I know, letting him know how I've screwed up and how I've, you know, the Lord's taught me how to overcome that and how to begin to walk through. And so for us, this is what it looks like. Think about it. It's going to people, meeting them where they're at, whether it's a trailer park, whether it's seeing somebody at church, whether it's the ball field, whether it's at your work, whether it's wherever you're at, it's meeting people where they are and just beginning to invest in them and then inviting them into your life, letting them see the power of God in you, letting them see what Christ has done for you, letting them see how screwed up you are, but how big your God is that overcomes that. And then saying, hey, man, let's sit down. Let's start studying the Bible together. Let me teach you some things that God's taught me um, through those things, right? And so, all right, so go, baptize, teach. That's what I want us to look at. So go, what does that look like for, for you guys? What does it look like to go, man? It, it's all about building relationships and building influence with people, right? And so here's some questions for you guys. It's, it's, it's whatever you're doing, whenever you're doing it, wherever. It's, it's coming to the, the aha moment that the job that I work, the friends that I have, the neighborhood that I live in, God has designed that and God wants to use that for his kingdom for us to embrace. So a couple questions for you guys. When's the last time that you've invited somebody over for dinner for the sole purpose of just getting to know somebody in your neighborhood, right? When's the last time you invited somebody to go out to coffee? When's the last time you said, hey man, let's, let's go to lunch at work, right? Or when's the last time you've, you've shown somebody the love of Christ so that you can begin to, they can get to know you and see the power of God in you, right? When's the last time if you work out? When's the last time you said, hey, you want to work out together, right? And use that as a leverage to begin to, to meet somebody where they are. That's what it's about, meeting people where they are and showing them the love of Jesus with that. Baptize, the, 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 the greatest story about baptism is in Mark chapter two, right? So I love it because it's some, a, a redneck story. It's like some believers from Hope You Like It, right? So, um, but basically here's what these guys do. Mark chapter two, um, they see uh, one of their friends is paralyzed, right? But they see Jesus come by and Jesus is straight making people walk, right? So people are getting up, walking away. He's healing the sick, doing all this. And they're like, we gotta get this guy to him, right? So they grab him and they, they pick him up and try to get him to Jesus. But Jesus has crowds around him, so they can't get him there. So you know what they do? They get on the roof, cut a hole in the roof, lower the guy down there. Jesus looks up and says, because of y'all's faith, I'm going to make him well, right? So perfect picture of baptism. They met the guy where he was, and they did what they had to do to get him to Jesus, right? So my question for you is, how are you meeting people where they are and trying to get them to Jesus? How are you inviting people into your life? How are you bringing people to church? How are you inviting people into your small group? Whatever you got to do to show them what Christ has done for you, what, what are we doing to do that? The last thing is teach. And I, I feel like if we failed at anything in the church, this is, this is the, the part that we failed at. It's, it's the idea of, man, once somebody raises their hand for salvation or once somebody gets saved, it's not a tip to just tap them on the butt and say, go. 
Man, that's where we, they need community. They need people to come around them and say, hey, here's some things that I've struggled with. You're probably walking through them. Let me teach you how the Lord's taught me through this. Let me teach you how to read the Bible, man. Let me show you what, how the Lord's taught me. This is how I read the Bible. This is how the Lord speaks to me. Let me show you how to leverage your job for the kingdom of God. Let me show you how to parent your kids. Let me show you how to, let me show you some things that have worked in my marriage, right? It's bringing people into your life and teaching them to do that, introducing people into community, asking them to study the Bible together. It's, it's simple. It's walking through life with them. So discipleship, meeting people where they are and helping each other get to where Jesus wants us to be, right? So it sounds very simple, right? It's a pretty simple command, right? As Jesus says, hey, this is my command. Go and make disciples. This is what I got for you. But here's the scariest reality to me in everything. If I, I sat in front of you one-on-one right now, me and you in a room, and I said, hey, are you currently making a disciple? How many of you guys could say, yes, I am? And I don't say that to depress you. I say that to say, that's what the Lord had to show me, man. It wasn't up until a couple years ago where I said, oh, this is the mission that God has for my life. This is what he wants us to embrace with our lives. And, and, and so, um, and even now, it's the number one thing in my life that I have to fight for. Because think about this. If this is God's plan to move his kingdom forward, to do the things that we see in the book of Acts, why wouldn't Satan's number one tool of destruction, his attack, be on get, keeping us from investing our lives in other people, right? And so here's where I want to challenge. I want to challenge us with three things. These are the things to write down. You got your lipstick, write it down, right? So here's the three things I want you to get. Number one is this. If you are a believer, God's number one purpose for your life is to make disciples. If you are a believer, making disciples is God's number one purpose, number one mission for your life. Wherever you are, whatever you do, he has you there for the purpose of meeting people where they are, bringing them to Jesus, and walking through life with them so that they can see what a real relationship with God looks like. And, and that's his purpose for you. And, and so some, some of you guys be like, well, you're the pastor. You're the one that's supposed to be doing that, right? I hired you. We pay our tithes every week so you can do that, right? But here's the thing. God doesn't, when he comes to make disciples, he didn't come just to the pastors, right? He comes to everybody. And he says, hey, fishermen, make disciples. Hey, tax collector, make disciples, right? Even the Bible says that my job is to equip you guys to make disciples. That doesn't mean I can't. I can step back and not make disciples, but it says the main purpose of the church is to equip people to go out and reach people, man. And, and that's, that's what it's about is that's what we see in the book of Acts is normal, everyday people taking the gospel, meeting people where they are, bringing them to Jesus and beginning to walk through life with them. And when that happens, man, God does some incredible, awesome things. So we have to own it. First thing, if we're a believer God's number one mission for our life is making disciples. Number two is this. We all have excuses and obstacles, right? So I don't say this to yell at you. I'm just saying these are some of the excuses that I had to overcome and some obstacles that I had to overcome. Number one, apathy, right? So it's that idea of, man, Billy, I'll just get to it later, right? It's not that big of a deal. I'm really going through a rough season right now. I can't have, I don't have a lot of things. Uh, you know, I don't have a lot of time to do this, that, or the other. But here's what I would tell you. And I don't bring out judgment to say this, but here's the judgment. God's going to ask us two things at judgment. One is, do you know Jesus, right? So is your righteousness based on him? That gets you in. The second thing he's going to ask you is, did you do what I told you to do, right? 
And what he told us to do was to go and make disciples. And, and what kind of pastor would I be if I didn't prepare you for that, right? I would, y'all would beat me somewhere out. You know what I mean? So that's what I want us to see is that that's what God wants us to do. And that when God gives us the Holy Spirit, it brings a desire to embrace the same mission that Jesus did. Because it's what Jesus's life was about, was meeting people where they were, showing them who he was, and then giving them the spirit to walk through life with them. And that's what he's given for us. The second one's busyness, right? So Billy, man, I got a wife. I got two kids. Uh, man, I got a full-time job. I just, I don't have a lot of time on my hand. And here's the thing. I under, I, I sympathize with that or empathize with that, right? I, I know. I'm, I, we live in two places right now. I wake up, I don't even know where I'm at, right? Wife's in school in Augusta. But here's the thing I know. I eat 21 meals a, day, a week, right? Three meals a day, seven days a week. Here's what I tell you. Utilize those meals for the kingdom of God, right? When's the last time you've invited somebody that works with you? out to lunch, right? When's the last time you've invited somebody over for dinner, man? And just begin to bring them in so that they can see Christ in a a very, very real way. And I'll tell you this too, what better for your kids to see than them to see you pull in a younger person in the church, pull in somebody and say, hey, we're trying to show these guys Jesus, right? We're trying to help them see Christ in us, right? What better thing for them to see than a, than a parent that's embracing the mission of God? So those are more the excuses. Now two obstacles that we have to overcome. Number, the, the first obstacle is the, the feeling of inadequacy, right? So we feel inadequate. Basically it's, it's uh, Billy, man, I just don't know enough. What if I can't answer the questions uh, that people are gonna ask me? I'm not ready, right? I still have stuff in my own life that I need to work on, right? Two truths with that. Number one, nobody's perfect. There's not one person in here that can say, man, I got it all together. If you can, you might as well leave now, right? So nobody in here is perfect, right? We are all a work in progress, right? Every one of us is going through things. And it's, it's funny to me how God uses our screw-ups to be the biggest thing that we can teach other people, right? Because people learn when we say, hey, here's something I did that was dumb and this is what I learned from it. Here's the consequences I had to pay from it. They're like, oh, I'm not doing that, right? So that, that's the way that God teaches people through us. And so uh, the funny thing too is that God designed the, the mission, us embracing disciples to be the very thing that he uses to grow us, right? It brings the accountability of growth in order to invest in somebody else. Guess what I have to do? I got to run to God so that he can pour into me, right? So how am I supposed to teach somebody to pray if I don't know how to pray, right? How am I supposed to teach somebody how to hear from God through the word if I'm not doing that, right? You see how God set that up? He said, hey, this is my mission for your life so that you'll never, like, you'll, you'll always need me, right? Because when we're most dependent on God, that's the best place for God to use us in, in a powerful way, right? Last thing is this, fear of failure, right? So some of us are, are like, Billy, man, what if I mess up, man? Well, I'm already screwed up. I don't want to screw them up more than I am, right? Why? What if I get rejected, right? Here's the thing I tell you. It is worth it to see one person transformed in front of your eyes. I promise you. If you, see one, if you get a taste of it, of just being and best and meeting somebody where they are, sitting down with them, telling them what Christ has done in your life, really just invest in loving them however long that takes to see God just boom, blow their mind and see the Holy Spirit come on them and change their hearts and to see them. I promise you, awkward conversations, rejection, whatever you have to go through to get to that moment, I promise you there's nothing like it, man. And it wasn't until that moment that I was like, 
this is what God created me to do, right? And, and that's why I started off the way I did because I feel like if we don't ever embrace the mission, we don't ever understand that it's what God's called us to do, right? And, and so that, that's what I wanna do. And so number one, if you're a believer, making disciples is God's number one mission for your life. Number two, we all have excuses and obstacles. Number three, we all have to start somewhere, right? So we have to start somewhere. Every person in here, I, I don't know where you're at. Like I, don't, I, don't, I, I wish I could sit down with each one of you guys individually. I, I do. I wish I could. But here's the thing. I, I don't know where you're at. But two things I would tell you. The first one is look around you, right? Look around you in, in your workplace and what you're doing, wherever you're at, in school, in your classes, at the gym, wherever. Look around. Who's around you that does not know Christ? Who's around you that maybe say they're a Christian, but they're not walking in the joy that it is to have a relationship with God? Who is in your life and how can you meet that person where they're at? If you're in the gym, invite them to work out. If you're at work, invite them to lunch. How can you meet them where they're at? How can you serve that person in such a way that it brings them to Jesus, right? Whatever you gotta do to bring that person to Jesus, I promise it'll be worth it. Number two is this, man, who, who has God put in your path, just even in church, right? A lot of you guys are serving. A lot of you guys lead small groups. Who, who has God put in your path right now? Older men, who are the younger men that he's put in your life right now that you see that are around you that you can take and just say, hey, dude, I ain't got it together. I'm not perfect, but here, I can tell you what not to do, right? Older women, who, who are the younger women in your life right now that you are investing in, that you're pouring into saying, hey, you think you're busy right now. Wait till you get a kid, right? And then you can actually explain life to people, right? And so that's what the church needs more than anything else in the world because that's what it is. That's what God designed it to be, a community of people that are helping each other walk through life, helping each other embrace the mission of God in, in a very real way. And so I'll close with this. I, like I said, I don't know where you're at, you know, but, but I know what God put in my heart to speak to you today. And don't hear it from me, hear it from God. And, and the thing he wants you to know is that, you know, you're probably in one or three places. One, you're embracing the mission, right? You're investing your life in people. You're leveraging everything you have to do that. And, and that may be some of you guys in here. Some of you guys may be doing that and you're just discouraged, right? You've been investing in this person. You've been doing everything you can to try to get them to Jesus, but they're just not getting it, right? I know where you're at. Maybe you need to be encouraged this morning. God wants to say, hey, keep on doing it, right? Keep on doing it. Allow that to push you to me because... I will change that person's heart in my timing, right? The, the second type of person is maybe you're a believer and you, you're just not doing it, right? It could be anything, apathy, busyness, inadequacy, fear of failure, um, just whatever you've put in the way. And, and God wants you to know, man, this is the purpose for which he created you. And he wants you to embrace it because here's the thing, your growth as a believer is dependent on it, right? And, and we have to start somewhere. The third thing is, man, you're sitting here and you're like, dude, you're talking about making disciples. I don't even know if I have a relationship with God. And, and man, I tell you, God brought you here for a reason. Because here's the thing, making disciples is, 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 is secondary to you knowing and having a relationship with Jesus, man. Maybe you came in here and you're, you're just walking through a tough time and God sent you in here for the purpose to hear, man, God loves you. And he sent his son, Christ, Jesus, to die in your place so that you could find the very reason that he created you, which is to know him and to be a part of his mission. And I can't tell you how awesome it is to know God 
and to be embracing his mission, to have a purpose in life. There's a reason that I get up every morning. There's a reason that, that, that I read my Bible. There's a reason that I do these things. And, and that's because I want to know the Lord and I want other people to know him, right? And so maybe you're in here today and you, you don't know Christ and, and God sent you in here. If that's you today, man. We want to... <laughs> We want to come beside you. We want to get you in a community. We want to give you a Bible and some things that can help you. But if that's you, uh, we want to celebrate with you. If you're in here today and you, you say, Billy, I want a relationship with God, would you stand up for me? Is that anybody in here? Mr. Eric's going to pray with you real quick. And so for the rest of us, man, God, God has something for us too. I've been praying all week that even through this message, that God would begin to illuminate people in your life that you're supposed to begin investing in. That may be people at your workplace. That may be people at your school. That may be people at home. That may be wherever that is. I've been praying that God would illuminate those people for you. And so here's what I want you to do, man. If, if you, if you say, Billy, man, I, I'm serious about this. I, I really, I, I want you to pray for me. I really want to embrace this mission that God has for my life. I really want to walk out and be obedient to what God's called me to do. Um, I want you to stand up. I want to pray for you. If that's you. And you really, you say, Billy, I'm serious about the mission of God. I want to begin to walk this out. <laughs> God, thank you so much, God, for today, Lord. I thank you for each and every person in this room, Lord. Thank you for these people in, that have stood and said, God, I want to get serious about your mission, God. I realize that it's what you created me for. Lord, I pray, as I was saying, God, that you would illuminate people in their, in their lives, God. Maybe it could be people uh, in their workplace, people at their school, people in their homes, God, their roommates, whatever it is, um, God, that they would begin to intentionally invest, God, that they would meet people where they are, that they would bring them to Jesus, and God, that they would begin to walk through life with them. God, there may be people in this room that say, man, I, I, that's, that's for me here in Statesboro, God. There may be people in here that say, man, that's for me in Vidalia, God. There may be people in here that say, that's for me in Southeast Asia, in, in Africa, wherever it is, all, to the ends of the earth. God, I pray today, God, that you would give them boldness and courage through the power of your Holy Spirit to be obedient to that call. God, I'm thankful for them, Lord. Thank you for... God, just my brothers in Christ that are serious about this, that really want uh, to embrace your mission, Lord. So God, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.